My name is Grant Taylor. Um, I am planting the RUF up at Old Dominion University, so I'm right down the road. Um, I believe that you guys have heard from RUF people before, so you might have a little bit of familiarity with it. Uh, just to explain a little bit of what I'm doing and what it looks like and what is happening up there. Um, so I've been there for about five months. Uh, there was nothing there before, so I've come into a new area trying to learn what the campus is like, what the students are like, trying to meet students. Um, our goal in RUF is to reach students for Jesus and equip them to serve in the local church, to live as Christians in their adult lives when they move on from college. And so that's what I'm trying to do right now is, is meeting students and getting to know them, hearing their stories. Uh, I'm meeting with some students who are not Christians, which is very exciting. I uh, get to share the gospel with them, get to kind of work through them and give them advice and the problems that they're facing in their lives. Uh, I have a handful of students who are Christians, uh, some you know, kind of varying in their levels of maturity in the faith. And so teaching them how to, how to read the Bible for themselves, how to pray, what it looks like to, to be a Christian in a space that might be hard to be a Christian in, in the college campus or in the workforce or whatever it's like. So uh, it really has been fun. I'm, I'm learning a lot. I'm, I'm probably not great at my job right now, but I'm only a few months in, so we're figuring things out. Um, so if you have more interest in, in hearing about that, I would love to talk to you about it. I would love to, to kind of talk to you about what it looks like to, to care for, to support ODU in that. Um, a couple things that you can just be praying for as you think about it. Uh, one is just that we can continue to, to reach students. So we're going to try a bunch of things in the spring to reach new students, to find new students, and to engage with them. That's going to be some studies. That's going to be uh, hopefully a free lunch that we can offer every week. Um, so be praying for that, that the Lord uses that to reach students. Also be praying. I've got a couple students I've been meeting with for a while who don't believe in Jesus. Um, and so, so please keep them in your prayers that the Lord will convert them uh, and, and draw them near to him. Um, so this morning we're going to be looking at Ezekiel chapter 37, so you can flip in your Bibles to that or to your, in your phone apps or whatever that might be, uh, to Ezekiel chapter 37. And as we're kind of in this, you know, Christmassy time, we're thinking about the great promise that God has given to his people that he's going to deliver, he's going to bring them a Messiah who will save them. Uh, as we think about these promises that God gives, it gives us hope, it gives us joy, this is why we celebrate but if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of times we really struggle to believe in the promises of God because of things happening in life, because sometimes those promises feel so distant, so far off. Sometimes it's difficult for us to, to trust in God, to believe that those promises are true. Um, and so that's what we'll look at this morning in Ezekiel 37, that uh, these promises of God that might feel far off, what do we do when they're hard to believe? What do we do when we're struggling to believe those? And what we're going to see is that as God bring, breathes life into us, in turn, he gives us hope to trust in his promises. So before we look at the passage, I want to consider you just, what are some of the ways in your life right now that you're feeling hopeless, that you're feeling like the promises of God just aren't true for you, that God feels distant, his promises feel far off? What are those ways in your life that you really fear or feel hopeless? And I invite you to think about those things, to keep those things in the front of your mind as we look at our passage today. So Ezekiel chapter 37, Ezekiel writes to us this, verse 1, The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley, and behold, it was full of bones. He caused me to pass among them round about, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and lo, they were very dry. He said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Again, he answered to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. 
Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, that you may come to life. And I will put sinews on you and make flesh grow back on you and cover you with skin and put breath in you so that you may come alive and that you will know that I am the Lord. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you that you breathe life into us. We thank you that you give us promises. We thank you that you, you make yourself known and, and, and tell us things that we can hold tightly to as we face the many troubles in this life, Lord. We pray that as we look to your word, that you continue to strengthen and encourage us in those promises. Lord, that you continue to, to give us strength to face the day, even when those feel far off. Lord, we pray that you, you bless your word this morning to our ears so that we can hear, that you open up our hearts to receive the words that you have given us, Lord. We pray that we can hear from you this morning. In your name, amen. I lived in California for a couple years in my early 20s, originally from Florida, and uh, when I was living out there, I would have friends come visit me because they wanted to see what California was like, and, and one of the things that we would always do, or that I would always do, is I would always take them to go eat at In-N-Out. Uh, In-N-Out, little fast food restaurant that's kind of mostly on the West Coast, I think it's expanded a little bit, but uh, it's, it's sort of this legendary place, you know, it's got a secret menu, it's only got so many items, and, and everyone always wanted to go try that when they were visiting, and what would inevitably happen is they would go, they would order, you know, double-double animal style or whatever it, it is, that, uh, and inevitably they would always be really disappointed, because they had this incredible expectation of what they were going to get. They're expecting this, you know, five-star restaurant, incredible culinary experience. And then their actual experience was they went to a fast food restaurant. And so they had these, these huge expectations, but their experiences failed to live up to them. And if we're honest with ourselves, this is the Christian life. We have these enormous expectations of what God is going to do of the promises that God has given us, of the life that we hear about that's found in Jesus, but then our experience falls short of that. Our experience is that life is hard. Life is difficult. Sometimes it doesn't feel like I have a whole lot of life. And so these promises of God, these expectations that I have in God feel so much greater than what my experience actually is like. We have these experiences in life, these difficulties, these these troubles in our life that make us question, is God really going to keep his promises? Sometimes it's hard for us to believe that God is a God who keeps his promises because of the mess that our lives are, because of the trouble that we find in the world around us. And what I want to tell you is that Ezekiel would have certainly felt this same way. Right? Ezekiel, the author of, of the book of Ezekiel, he grew up in Jerusalem, and Jerusalem was at war with Babylon at the time. And what happens one day is Babylon comes and kind of takes over Jerusalem and takes uh, Ezekiel and a bunch of his friends and puts them into exile in Babylon. So all of a sudden, he's living in a foreign land. He doesn't really understand the culture around him. It's totally new to him, and he's longing for home. One day he gets news that Jerusalem's been completely destroyed been leveled, been raised to the ground. The temple is gone. And so Ezekiel would have gone from depression to absolute despair. He would have gone from, from being homesick to now he's homeless. There's no home to go back to. And it's in this moment that Ezekiel surely would have felt like, God, your promises cannot come true. 
We read it in Ezekiel 36 early in the assurance, this promise that God says that you will be, or I will be your God and you will be my people. And surely in the moment that Jerusalem is destroyed, Ezekiel would wonder, God, how is that ever going to be true? God, how is it that your promises could be true? Certainly he would have felt like his experiences did not meet the expectations that he had. And it's in this moment of absolute despair in Ezekiel's life that God comforts him by giving him this vision and by showing Ezekiel what it is that he is going to do. That even though he's in a place in Babylon that's this constant reminder that things are not the way they should be, things are not the way that he thought they ought to be, God is going to prove to him through this vision that he can have hope and he can have life. So that's what we're going to see, that the word of God, the prophecy that God gives, the word that God gives to his people brings life into his people. It breathes life into his people. And because of that, we can have hope in the promises of God. I have to show you that through this passage today. First, that, that God begins by showing us that the word of God breathes life into his people even though we're nothing more than dead bones. Look again at verses 1 and 2. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out into the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley, and it was full of bones. And he led me around among them, and behold, there were very many on the surface of the valley, and behold, they were very dry. So so Ezekiel is dropped in this vision, in this prophecy, into a valley full of bones. And if you're like me, I, I can't imagine things very well. I can only... You know, my imagination is just things that I've seen before. And so I think of the, the elephant graveyard from Lion King. Just as far as you can see, it's just bones. It's just death. It's decay. It's, it's, it's despair. And that's where Ezekiel is dropped into. And if you're not one for, for kind of understanding symbolism, uh, this is a symbol of the spiritual reality of God's people. They are dead. Right, that, that Jerusalem's been destroyed, the temple has been destroyed. There is no more religious life happening in sort of the capital of God's kingdom. It's gone and it's destroyed. And so they feel this real spiritual death. So God is showing that to Ezekiel in this vision of all you can see around you is bones. All you can see around you is death. And this is getting at the question that they would have been asking themselves. Have we sinned so greatly that God has abandoned us? This is the theme that you see all throughout sort of the Old Testament in this time or this time and in history is this question. Have we sinned so greatly that God has abandoned us? And maybe we felt that in our life sometime at our low moments. God, have I, have I finally sinned so greatly that you have left? That you no longer care for me? That you no longer love me? That you no longer want to be around me? God, have I finally messed up so much that you are gone? This is the question that they're asking. But look at how God responds to this. Verse 3, And God said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. And this is a funny response because it's kind of a meaningless response. <laughs> like, Can these bones ever live? And Ezekiel says, uh, God, you know. He kind of gives a non-answer in his response, but we can, we can relate to why he gives that answer because he's sort of facing two realities or two options with this. Can these bones live? Well, it, you know, it wouldn't look good if Ezekiel said no because, of course, God can do anything. God is all-powerful. But Ezekiel's experience is that dead things stay dead. Right? When, when I brought home the, I won a goldfish at a carnival and it came in the little plastic bag and my parents weren't happy about it, but the, the goldfish didn't survive the trip. It didn't make it back home. You know, I brought a, a bag with a dead fish in it. 
And that fish didn't come back because our experience is that dead things stay dead. And so surely when Ezekiel is asked this question, he has these two options. Uh, Do I believe in the promises of God that God restores, that God brings life? Or do I believe the reality of the situation that's before me, that there is death and destruction and there is seemingly no hope? We understand this tension. Do we trust in God's promises when they feel like they're impossible? Can there really be life in these dead bones? Verse 4, Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter you, and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you, and will cause flesh to come upon you, and cover you with skin, and put breath in you. And you shall live, and you shall know that I am the Lord. So God commands Ezekiel to proclaim to these bones the word of God, to to speak over them the word of God, and that they will be brought to life. And we see this happen. This is the next next part of this. We see exactly what God tells Ezekiel to do. Ezekiel does, and we see uh, God's promises kind of coming true and saying that these bones will live. He says this in verse 7, So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, a rattling. And the bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them, and flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them, and there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord God, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. So what Ezekiel does is he does exactly what God says. He prophesies over them, he he speaks the word of God over them, and they come together, and these bones come together, and flesh covers them, and they they are given life, so many so that it, it, it says it's an exceedingly great army. This beautiful vision of the Word of God pouring out over these bones and these bones coming to life. What was once dead is now being brought to life because of God's Word. Another way of saying that is that God's Word gives life to His people. Now here's here's the thing. Of course, we believe that the Bible, the Word of God, breathes life into people. We believe that the preaching and the hearing of God's Word draws people to Jesus Christ. We, we certainly believe that. But if that is the only thing that we think this passage is doing, then, then we're failing to understand the fullness of what this passage is telling us. You see, this is a prophecy. This is looking forward to something that's coming. This is, this is giving Ezekiel a hope of a promise that will come. And that is that Jesus Christ is the word that God uses to breathe life into his people. You see, John picks up on this in his gospel. In the gospel of John, it begins with this phrase, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. And in case we're wondering, okay, well, what do you mean by that? What is the word? He goes on in verse 14 to say, and the word became flesh, and he dwelt among us. That he is saying that Jesus is this word. Jesus is this word that breathes life into God's people. Jesus Christ is the word of God that brings people from death to life. There is no life for the dead outside of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 
This prophecy is pointing forward to saying that these bones are dead, but the word of God in Jesus Christ comes to bring life to God's people. In John 11, there's a story where Jesus resurrects his friend Lazarus from the dead, right? His, his friend dies and, and everyone is, is mourning and Jesus comes and he raises him from the dead and he says to him, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live. And this is the promise Jesus gives. He who believes in me will live. You see, our sin has left us as nothing more than these decaying bones. This death and despair as far as we can see. Because of our sin, we are left dead in our trespasses. Decomposing in a graveyard somewhere. But Jesus has breathed life into us and given us a new life in him. Church, you have been given new life. If you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, this Word of God that brings life and restores life in these bones. This word of God dwells in you if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ. You abide in the giver of life. But you see, this vision continues. That is the great promise that if you believe in Jesus, if you trust in the word of the Lord, you will be saved. You will be given life. But there's still this question of, well, how? How can I know that? That's a great promise, but that's still, my, my life feels so distant from that. Right? I've got this sin struggle and I'm not experiencing life and victory in that. I've got this problem in life. I've got this, this depression or this anger or this angst or this frustration And I'm not feeling that I have been given life in Jesus. So how can I trust in that? And what we're going to see is is that the the purpose of this vision that he's given, you know, he's explained the vision to us, but the purpose of it is in order to give the people of God hope. So as this vision continues, we see that because God has given us life, because we can know that God has given us life, now we can have hope in the promises that he has given us. Verse 11 Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost and indeed we are cut off. And maybe maybe for you, this verse really captures where you're at spiritually right now. That you feel dead, that you feel hopeless, that you feel like you're cut off. That you feel like the promises of God are so very far away that what can we do but feel hopeless? But he says in verse 12, Therefore prophesy and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. And I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord, when? When I open your graves and raise you from your graves, O my people. The reason we can have hope is because we know that we will experience the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The reason we can have hope is because we know that we will experience the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This isn't something that that we see only in this passage. It's something that we see all throughout Scripture. We see especially in the Gospels that Jesus is is telling his disciples over and over and over again exactly what's going to happen. He tells them, look, I'm going to suffer. I'm going to be crucified, but I'm going to resurrect again. I'm going to come back from the dead. 
And the disciples seemingly don't understand what he's talking about. They, you know, it confuses them. They don't believe it. And then what happens? Exactly what Jesus says begins to happen. And so Jesus suffers and is crucified, and the disciples lose hope. You know, this, this, this great king, this, this, this God has died, and they, they're in this you know, hopeless state of, of what, what do we believe? Was anything true? Can we really know anything? What, what is going on? And they feel this despair. And then what happens is Jesus resurrects on the third day, and all of a sudden a light goes off for them, and they realize everything that Jesus has said is true. That it happened exactly the way that he said it would. When he appears to his disciples again, resurrected from the dead, they understand this. What Jesus promises, Jesus accomplishes. What Jesus promises, Jesus accomplishes. You see, this is an incredible reality that we have, especially on the other side of this where we can look back, is that Jesus promises things and he accomplishes them, even if it means doing the impossible, even if it means resurrecting from the dead. If Jesus promises it, we can rest assured that Jesus will accomplish it because he's done the greatest thing that anyone has ever done, that he died and came back. You know, that's sort of Jesus calling his shot. That's sort of Jesus telling us, this is how you can believe everything else I can say, because the thing that is impossible to you, I will do. And not only will I do it, but I will tell you up until the point that I do it, that I'm going to do that so that when I do it, you say, okay, yes, Jesus, anything you say you can do, you can do. Jesus, anything that you promise to us, you will accomplish. Because you are God, because you are holy, because you are mighty, because you are able to do everything, and because you have promised that you would do it. And so we believe every word of Christ because he's proven to us that he can defeat death and that life is found in him. We can trust in Jesus because he's overcome death and he has proven to us that he is that life that brings life to the dead and that we can find life in him. So I'm new to the area. I've moved up to Norfolk. Uh, about five months ago. And so I'm in this stage of life where you have, anytime you want to go do anything, you have to plug it into your phone GPS and follow whatever it says. And I love GPS. I think it's, it's an incredible invention. There's, you know, I've, I've heard rumor that before people used to use these things called maps. And uh, I would be lost if that were the case. I don't know how, how you know, if it's like paper. Who uses paper anymore? Um, but one of the funny things about GPS, maybe you've had this experience, is, is there are times that you, you, you sort of know where you're going, but you plug it in just to be sure. You know, it's like, I, I, I va- like I'm, I'm pretty sure I know how to get there, but I'm just going to plug it in just, just to be sure. And what happens with your GPS is sometimes it takes you on these weird ways to get there. You know, it, it tells you to turn left, and you're like, I think I should turn right here. Or it takes you through a neighborhood, and you're like, this, surely this isn't right. Like, I don't know where GPS is going. But at the end of the day, it gets you where you're going. Right, Because that's its job. Its, its, its job is you plug in the address, you tell it where you are, and it will get you to that place. And that's how following Jesus can be. Is, is Jesus has promised us that he's going to get us somewhere. He promised us that he's going to get us to heaven, that he's going to get us into perfect fellowship with him. But sometimes the route on the way takes us some places that we will say, Jesus, I don't know if this is right. You know, sometimes Jesus takes us left and we're like, Jesus, I think I should have gone right here. Or sometimes Jesus takes us through, through a neighborhood and we're like, Jesus, I, I, you know, just, I'm just saying I don't think this is right. I don't think this is where I'm supposed to be right now. And yet Jesus 
will get us to our final destination. Jesus will bring us into heaven, into perfect fellowship with him. Why? Because he has promised us that he will. Because he has promised us that he will finish the work that he has started in us. Jesus will deliver on his promises. He will get us home to be with him in heaven because that's what Jesus does. Because that's who Jesus is. Even when it feels like there's no way that we can have hope, even when it feels like there's no way we can trust in the promises of God, we can rest assured that Jesus will accomplish the things that he has promised to us. He will do what he has said he is going to do. Why? Because he rose again from the dead. Because there's nothing that Jesus can't do. Because what Jesus promises he will do, he will accomplish. Because he's God. Because he's mighty. Because he's sovereign. Because he's powerful. Because he's lovely. Because he's beautiful. Jesus will accomplish the work that he has started in you and I. Even when we feel like the world around us is falling apart. Even when we feel like There is nothing to put our hope in. Even when we wonder, how am I going to get that next rent check? When we wonder, how am I going to go to this next family gathering when I I just can't stand some of these people? Jesus will finish the good work that he has started in us because that's what Jesus does. Verse 14 and I will put my spirit within you, and you shall live. And I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. I have spoken, and I will do it, declares the Lord. Church, hear this promise. The Lord will put his spirit in you. The spirit of comfort. The spirit of joy. The spirit that gives us strength when we feel like we have nothing left. God promises, I will put that spirit in you. And that's how you will know. In other words, the Holy Spirit has been given to dwell within us, to testify to us the works of Jesus, even when we struggle to believe it. And so we can keep going because of the promises of God. Church, hear some of the promises that God has given us in his word some encouragement to help us to keep going. In Colossians 1.13, says that he has delivered us from the domain of darkness. Church, if you feel like you are stuck in the domain of darkness here, he has delivered you from the domain of darkness and transferred you into the kingdom of his beloved son. If you're afraid, hear this promise from Exodus 14. Fear not and stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord will fight for you. If you feel like you need someone to fight for you, hear this promise. The Lord will fight for you. If you are are facing temptation and struggle, hear this promise from James 4, 7. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Or from Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Church, the, the Bible is full of these promises of God. 
that we can trust in and we can believe in and we can know God will accomplish, even when it feels like he can't or even when it feels like he won't, even when our experiences are far from our expectations, we can trust that God will accomplish these promises because of the work that Jesus Christ has done. And so we place our hope not in this world, but in the promise of a heavenly city, in the promise of the builder and the architect who is God. We place our hope in our heavenly citizenship because our passports are stamped by the blood of Jesus Christ. We place our hope and faith in the resurrection of Jesus who breathes life into us and who has brought us out of sin into righteousness, from death into life, from despair of the grave to the hope of the resurrection. That the story of Lazarus becomes our story. We have been given this life in Jesus Christ. And this is how we know that the promises of God are true and good. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for your promises. We thank you for your word that you have spoken to us, that you have made yourself known to us, that you have have given us revelation so that we can hear your voice, that we can hear your promises. Jesus, we thank you for what you have done. We thank you that that you have, have come into this earth as a baby to live in this world, to live in perfect obedience, perfectly fulfilling every letter of the law. We thank you that that you suffered and died and and were crucified, but that you you raised again from the dead to show us not only that, that you have paid for sin, but also that you have conquered the grave. That it's not only that we experience forgiveness, but we also experience life. We thank you that, that you have, have breathed this into us. We pray that we can see this vision that you gave Ezekiel as a vision of hope, as a vision of, of what new life looks like. We thank you for who you are and all that you've done. We pray for strength to face the difficulties of this life, the strength to believe and to walk in your word, even when it feels like these promises are hard to believe. We thank you for all that you've done. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, amen.